0: Which this morning, what the the whole service is about, is rather interesting because the title of the service is "Don't Lose Your Heads," and uh, that's not a uh, literal uh, translation. That's uh, figuratively, is to don't get confused, don't get distracted, to stay focused on what is what is real, on what is important. And uh, we're in Second Thessalonians in chapter two. Now, some of you may um, remember reading about this uh, story I'm going to start out with. I know for sure that no one here was around during this time, Uh, but uh, William Miller, he had studied the Bible intently for 14 years, and he became convinced that Christ would return in 1843 when Miller announced April the 3rd as the day, some of the disciples went up to the mountaintops in order to get a head start on their way to heaven and others went to the graveyard so they could be risen with their loved ones and and reunited on their way up and and some of the uh, more sophisticated ladies of Philadelphia went outside of town onto a hilltop so they wouldn't have to go into heaven with all the common folk and uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think they missed the point. (laughs) But uh, when April the 4th came and and all of the Millerites uh, uh, woke up, they were disappointed because Christ did not come. But he had also given some other dates and and he had given March the 21st, 1844. and, And when that day came and went again, Disappointment. And the the third date he had given was October 22nd, 1844. Once again, disappointment. And it was after this that many of the Millerites lost faith in his predictions. But not only did they lose faith in his predictions, many of them lost faith in Jesus Christ. You see, that's uh, 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 one of the big reasons that as God's people, we need to understand, have a good foundation of what the Bible says on the return of Christ. Today, in chapter 2, that's what we're going to talk about, is just what's going to happen at that time. If you had to remember back in 1 Thessalonians, one of the reasons Paul wrote his letter to begin with is that the people uh, had, had uh, thought that, the, that Christ had returned and they had missed it for some reason. And, and they were confused and didn't know what was going on. And he had explained it to them in his first letter. And then in the second letter, he's doing the same thing in chapter 2 because once again, the people of the church had thought that, hey, Jesus came back and we missed it. I'd say that if you're going to be concerned about missing something, that's a good thing. I mean, if you wake up one morning and on the news you hear how millions of people vanished overnight and, and, all, and that the, there, there was mass uh, tombs open in the cemetery and you're listening to it on the news, I'd say you've got a problem. But see, we're not going to miss it. All those who have faith in Christ are not going to miss it. It's not going to be a surprise to us. It's not, going to be, it's not going to be in the paper the next day because we're not going to be here to read it. So that's, that's uh, one of the big things that we need to keep straight so that we don't get confused in these last days. In our reading, though, there's three things I think Paul points out that we should look at. And the first one he says is that we are not to be dismayed. In verses 1 and 2. It says, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. I can understand a group of believers being concerned that they might have missed the day. I don't want to be here the day after. So I can understand their concern. And back though, in those days, you know they didn't have satellite TV or cell phones or, or any other mass media. Uh, they had to rely on word of mouth. So as word of mouth came into town and all, and, uh, and, and apparently from the writing here, a letter had showed up, supposedly written by Paul, who said, "Hey, the day of the Lord has come, and you missed." So I can say their, their concern here. And all of it. Um, Mayor Richard Daley, defending the actions of the police during the Democratic convention in 1968, said these words Get this thing straight once and for all. The police are not here to create disorder, they are there to preserve disorder. Now, Sometimes that's what Satan wants to do with us, is to preserve disorder in the church. He wants to keep us us looking and thinking about things that aren't important. Now this is a confusing topic. And even in our reading today, there's, there's different interpretations of it. But the the first thing we look at in these two letters to the Thessalonians that Paul wrote, the one thing he wants to make clear, the one thing that that is not confusing at all, is that Jesus can come at any time. There's nothing else that has to happen. There's no, no event that needs to take place. He could come back right now and be in full compliance with all prophecy. So we don't need to stop and and wonder what else is going to happen. And for those of us who believe in Christ, the day of the Lord will not happen in secret. The scripture says that first of all, that, that the trumpet sound from heaven will come. We'll hear it. It says that the angel will proclaim the coming of Christ. We'll hear it. We don't have to wonder, did I sleep through it last night? Paul tries to make this clear over and over again to the Thessalonians because they continue getting confused about it. And something as the church today we don't need to worry about. When He comes, we'll know it. The second thing we need to be concerned about is is that we are not to be deceived. In verses 3 and 4, it says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshiped. So that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. It says, do not be deceived about the Lord's return. Now this man of lawlessness, this little verse here has probably caused more debates and more writing than anything else on the end of times. About this man of lawlessness and what must happen. You see, and there's three major interpretations of that that short little verse there. The first one is that some believe that that means that the Antichrist will be revealed before the uh, day of the Lord, and that this time that we know is the tribulation will occur before the Lord returns for His church. Those people are called post-trib people. That the Lord's return and the rapture and all that happens after the tribulation. After all this other stuff. And, and if you want to know what's going to happen in the tribulation, read Revelations. It's not a good time at all on earth. It's a very bad time. Some people believe the Lord won't return until that's over. That's a seven year period. Others believe that only part of the tribulation will occur that the Antichrist will be revealed and that a time of great suffering uh, will happen and a time of rebellion will take place and that before the Lord takes away his church, uh, after which the Lord will pour out his wrath in the final portion of the tribulation. Those people are known as mid-trib people. They believe that at the three and a half year mark of tribulation that the Lord will return and take his people back with him because the last three and a half years is when things go from, from worse to worser. I don't know how it's, it's not like saying bad to worse because the first three and a half years of tribulation is worse than bad. So, <laughs> so some people believe that. Then there's still others. That, uh, that the, the force which, <clears throat> there are still others that, that only uh, <clears throat> believe that the force which is holding back the lawless one in verse 7 is the church. And that the Lord will come and rapture His church before the Antichrist is rebuilt, revealed, before tribulation begins. And that, you uh, know, that 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 the church is the only thing stopping tribulation from happening. And once it is removed, it goes. Now, uh, those who believe this way, that they, they make a, a very uh, dis- much of a distinction between the the rapture and the second coming, they look at them as two separate events. Those people are called pre-trib. That the church is going to be gone before things get bad and it only gets bad afterwards. Now, uh, most of you who have been around me long enough know that my beliefs are the post trib beliefs. But I also know that no matter which one you choose to believe, no matter which way you choose to think it's going to happen, it's not going to get in the way of you being ready for His return. One of the hard things about, about reading a letter uh, like this and trying to, to uh, unravel it and see what's, uh, what truths are there is that you only get one side of the conversation. See, we don't know what the false teachings were that Paul was confronting here. Other than they thought the day of the Lord had already come. We don't know, though, specifically what was being said. All we can get is Paul's side of the story. Now, if any of you have ever been involved in trying to help two people that's arguing and you only get one side, you know you're not even getting close to half the story. Because usually if you get both people and you listen to both sides, then you can kind of piece it together of what's going on. We only get half the story here, so we can only take what Paul is saying and we can try and apply it to the best we can to the rest of Scripture to see where he's at. now <clears throat> one, of the, one of the studies when you studied scripture when you are, are really into the deep Bible study and all one of the basic rules is when there's a verse that's kind of unclear and there's another verse that's very clear on the same subject you use the verse that's very clear to help clarify the verse that's unclear right I mean, that makes sense right and and also we can look at that and see that even though this is a little bit unclear, what we can see throughout the rest of the Bible that the coming of the Lord can be this moment. <clears throat> see, I, I I think sometimes Satan likes to get us so involved in trying to pinpoint exactly where we are on the prophetic chart of the end days. He gets us so involved in in trying to, to narrow it down, even though Jesus himself says that only the Father knows that date. Only the Father knows the time. There are so many people that throughout history, not just in today's times, but throughout history, who have tried to spend a lot of time studying and pinpointing exactly where we are. And exactly who's who on the uh, prophetic charts. Satan likes to get us bogged down in all of that. Because as long as we're concentrating on that stuff, we're not concentrating on what's important. Which is serving our Lord Jesus Christ. Deception. One of Satan's biggest tools. Deception has been around ever since the Trojan horse. In World War II, the Allies had perfected it and turned deception into an art. There was the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops. was a a division of 1,800 men and women. Their job was deception. And they used special weapons like, like rubber tanks and airplanes. And what they would do is they would go into an area at night and they would change the insignia on everything and they'd blow up these rubber tanks and airplanes so that when, when the Germans would, would uh, watch, they would think that there'd been a whole battalion move in. And they'd have these loud recordings of noises that you would hear at a military base. and And, and, all. and they did that to fool the Germans. And it worked very well because on D-Day, Germany's 15th Army was way back off over there somewhere waiting on an attack they knew was going to happen while the Allies came in over here. Deception. And I fear that, that, it's, it's, uh, uh, that, that Christians that are intent on trying to, to figure out all the nuances of the end of times are being deceived because we're all looking over here for something to happen and it's going to be coming from over here. We need need to stay focused on what's important. We need to stay focused on Jesus Christ. On serving Him. On living for Him. On allowing His Holy Spirit to to change us into what God wants us to be. We should be focused on loving one another. Being graceful to one another. Forgiving one another. Those are the important things in Scripture. Not what day are we going to hear the trumpet sound. The last thing is uh, here is that we must not be distracted. It's easy to get distracted, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I just... Sometimes I I wonder, um, I I get distracted easily, especially when I'm trying to to prepare for a sermon and I'm trying to study. It's like every little thing distracts me. Sometimes I have to just shut the door and put on some headphones and just concentrate to get it done because of distractions. Distractions. Verses 13 and 15 says, But we ought always to thank God for you. Brothers, love by the Lord because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you. Rather, by word of mouth, or by letter. Soviet leader uh, Khrushchev uh, told a story one time about a lot of petty theft going on in the Soviet Union. And um, so what they did is they put guards at all the factories to make sure stuff wasn't getting stolen. At this one uh, timber works in Leningrad, in Leningrad, the, the guard that they put there, he knew everyone that worked there. Well, this guard, since he knew them all so well, he knew this one guy named Peter was uh, was had a tendency to borrow things without permission. Well, he sees uh, Peter coming out of the out of the gate of the factory one evening, and he's got a wheelbarrow and he's got a big bag in it full of stuff. And the guard says, "Now wait a minute, Peter. I know you. What's in that bag? Just sawdust." He said, "I wasn't born yesterday." Dump this bag out. So he dumped it out. There's nothing in it but sawdust. So this goes on every night for over a week, and finally the guard says, "Peter, I know you're stealing something. Just tell me what it is, and I'll let you go." He says, "Wheelbarrows." <laughs> 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 yeah. See, Satan wants to keep us so focused on the sawdust that we don't notice the wheelbarrow. If you notice in the midst of this, uh, of chapter 2 as we're reading and Paul's giving all these warnings about about not being distracted from uh, uh, by concentrating on the, the return of our Lord and to stay focused on what's important. He brings it up here on exactly what is important. The bottom line to the entire gospel is that Christ died for sin so that all who trust in what he has done receive eternal life. And... You receive His sanctifying Spirit that lives within you to help you live a life holy and pleasing to God. That's the gospel rolled up in a nutshell. And Paul brings it up here in this writing because he wants to remind them that, that it's not important about when Christ is coming back. It's not important about what should happen or should not happen. What is important is that Christ died for your sins. See, we need to stay focused on that because nothing else matters. If we can stay focused on that truth, we don't have to worry about loving one another because it will just happen. We don't have to worry about forgiving one another because it will happen. Because the more we stay focused on Jesus Christ and what He did for us, the easier it is for us to imitate him. Sometimes we have to put blinders on. Sometimes we need to put those earphones on. Sometimes we need to force ourselves to stay focused on what's important because the world and everything in it is going to try and draw our attention from him. And it's when we allow that that we become confused just like these folks did. It's when we allow that that we start thinking we miss things. Our faith in Christ assures us we will not miss His coming. We will not be reading about it in the paper or hearing about it on the news because we'll be the ones already up there in heaven with Him. We'll be rejoicing and we really won't care what's going on down here on this earth. Because when you're in the presence of your Lord, nothing on earth matters. The Bible says that it all just starts to fade away. It's all stand. Maybe there's things going on in your life that has distracted you from the truth of the gospel. And maybe this morning is time for you to, to refocus. A time for you to, to put those blinders on. To put some headphones on. To just focus on what Jesus did for you. Father, we are so thankful that Jesus... Went to that cross for us. Lord, we are so thankful that you loved us so much. That you were willing to make that sacrifice for us. And Lord God, we are overwhelmed by your grace. Lord, when we that tomb was found empty. Because Lord, we know that our Savior lives. Our Savior is sitting at your side. And he is waiting on your word. Oh, Lord, help our thoughts to be on you. Help our hearts to be on you, Lord. Help our all that we do, Lord, to reflect you, your grace and your love. Father, go with us from here, Lord, as we go to enjoy fellowship together and break bread this morning, that you, Lord, would be glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you,